0: So please find the posture, you can sustain for 35, 40 minutes. And I'm going to give a guided meditation on what's called the seven factors of awakening. That's, you know, one way how we can define what the work of meditation is all about. It's about, you know, training and strengthening those, seven qualities of the mind, which are already rudimentary in the mind. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't even be able, you know, to put a key in a keyhole or something. So we need those qualities already here. And through the meditation, we can strengthen them. And then, you know, as the mind becomes stronger and more capable to to stay with the experience, then it slowly, you know, goes deeper into reality and sees the way things are, you know, sees the entanglement, sees the emptiness, the impermanence and constant uh, flow, you know, of everything, that there are no separate entities. That's an insight, you know, which dawns on us over time as we are fine-tuning the instrument which we've got, you know, this body and mind. We can... Work with that and through that, you know, work, reality reveals itself. It's always already here, hidden in plain sight, so to say. But It's like an open secret and through training the instrument, we can, uh, you know, become more and more clear. So, just starting by simply being aware of the body sitting and or standing and breathing in and breathing out. To so the whole body. So we're turning awareness or mindfulness towards what's right now happening which is simply body sitting and breathing in and breathing out and that's already the first of the seven factors of awakening that's mindfulness or sati in Pali and then in order you know to be able to do this is also important to become aware of your motivation. Why do you practice? Why did you come today? There must be a certain amount of interest there. By really wanting to look at your own experience. So that's already the second factor of awakening vichaya or interest, or investigation of Dhammas, how it's also translated. And then in order to be able, you know, to stay with your experience, you need to put in some energy. That's the third factor of awakening, energy or virya. So we already have, you know, by simply sitting down and turning the awareness towards our present moment experience, there's already three factors of awakening. Present, mindfulness, interest, and energy. And then as we are staying, you know, through the input of energy, we manage to stay with our experience. And slowly and letting go of tension, if there is any. The whole process smooths out a little bit. There's maybe like a subtle experience of contentment or joy becoming available. That's the fourth factor of awakening. In the Pali language, it's called piti, translated as sometimes translated as rapture, but that's maybe a bit of a strong word. So let's call it maybe subtle joy or contentment of just being with present moment experience, not clinging to anything in particular. And whenever you notice that the mind wanders off, you know, wanting to think about something, past, future, just gently bringing it back to the present moment experience. And it doesn't matter how many times that needs to to happen. Important is as soon as we notice that we are distracted, (coughs) we're just bringing the mind back the simplicity of body sitting and breathing in and breathing out and what we are training in that is the letting go that's the point of the of that exercise to pull the mind off pull the mind out of those patterns of thinking the stories we tell ourselves you know which are familiar and that's how we know that it's me because I'm thinking about what I'm cooking tonight when I get home, for example. So the subtle joy of just being content with present moment experience. And then the mind starts to calm down. That's the... Next factor of awakening, Pasadi or calm. And that's a quite a natural sequence. If the mind has a measure of contentment, it comes down. So it's a natural law. It's not something we need to do that just happens. then when the mind becomes more calm uh, fragmentation disappears and the mind kind of comes together and that's the sixth factor of awakening samadhi collectedness or stability of mind composure stillness focus Sometimes it's also translated as concentration. So the mind you know is connected with the object, which is the body breathing in and breathing out, yet also spacious. and and balanced and that's then the last of the seven factors that's opaque or equanimity. And that's an equanimity which we you know, have towards our own inner experience. So, you know, that's the natural evolution of if the mind is, you know, brought to stay with an object, then this sequence just naturally starts to kick in. And then you know the mind is connected with what's happening, yet spacious and not clinging. And the you know the definition in the scriptures is dwelling free from desire and discontent. And it's also compared, you know, to a bird's eyes view, a sense of perspective where we are aware, you know, what we are experiencing, but we are not kind of wrapped up in it, but we see it in context. And there's a sense of uh, stepping back, but it's not a disconnected way of stepping back. That's the point. You know, seeing things in context... But being still intimately connected, that's the art of that state of mind. And then the mind might wander off again into some thinking and so on, and as soon as we become aware, just gently bring it back. To the simplicity of body breathing. And just allowing that spaciousness and giving room for change to happen. Impermanence. The breathing process is a very perfect way to witness impermanence. And just allowing that flow, not trying to pin it down in any way, just allowing that fluidity, being that flow. whatever you know arises nothing you know not rejecting it and not holding on to it just giving that space And also now, you know, turning the uh, awareness towards the spaciousness. The, you know, space in this room doesn't end at the walls. This is limitless space. And listening into the silence, into the space. And, you know, dropping the body breathing as an object. But being now, being aware of the space, the silence. And whenever the mind, you know, contracts again around the thought about the past and the future, as soon as you become aware of it, Gently coming back to the silence, to the space, by listening into that. And then, you know, dropping the space and the silence and being aware of that which knows about the space and about the silence. And you don't need need to think about what I'm saying, just allowing the mind to respond. And if it's, you know, you never heard this kind of instruction before, the mind gets mind boggled Allow it to just not know what to do. No need to kind of think it through, just allowing the mind to respond. Being aware of that which knows the silence, the space the resting as the knowing. The knowing is like a mirror. All objects, you know, which pass it will automatically be just known for what they are. No need, you know, to add a a story on top of it. any, you know, any perception of ego or anything which is, that comes up, just dropping that as well. Knowing without a knower. There's no object in particular, it's just knowing and no subject. the knowing is also impermanent it's a it's a process a flow Noticing how peaceful that is. If the mind doesn't cling to anything, it's a temporary liberation of the mind. Like a little taste of liberation. It's only temporarily because the mind is peaceful right now and just Enjoy that subtle peacefulness which doesn't come from having anything, but it's the result of letting go of not wanting for these few moments when the mind is focused and still. And my first teacher, Ajahn Buddha, does accord it like a, a little nibbana, a taste of that real, the realized state, which would be a, nibbana would be a permanent realization of that peaceful abiding. And for us, it's just a temporary. Experience, giving the mind a rest. Which doesn't come from getting what we want, but it is the result of not holding on to anything being in the flow and to you know, give the mind an opportunity to familiarize itself with that then it can easier come back to that again get to know that in a more and more deeper way So it's not a frozen state, you know, by trying to keep things out, but it's being totally in the flow without, you know, holding on to anything. So that openness of the mind is the opposite of clinging, the opposite of what's called dukkha in the teaching. Suffering is often translated, which isn't inherent in the phenomena, but it's the result of clinging. Because if we cling on to this flow, this constant change, then friction is the result of that. this insight into impermanence is very central you know, to the Buddha's teaching. The arising and ceasing. of thoughts, of feelings, of mind states, of sensations, And if those uh, seven factors of awakening, if they are you know trained and strengthened through the practice over the years, then the mind is more capable to really be informed by impermanence and be changed because it can pay attention, it can stay with experience and isn't constantly dragged off you know into all kinds of obsessions and distractions, which our you know, contemporary culture is so full of. We are overwhelmed by too much information, too much of many things. So the mind gets very dull in response to that, because it's overwhelmed. It's a a trauma response numbing out as a protective measure which is a good thing to protect oneself from overwhelm but if it you know makes the mind insensitive then we are not aware you know how we are wasting A lot of opportunities and a lot of resources. So we need to learn to prioritize to what to pay attention to and to what not to pay attention to. That's one of the most important things we need to do in this time. so in a in a few minutes, I'm gonna ring the bell, and then you know this sitting is also impermanent. It also has an end. So everything you know which has a beginning has an end uh lifetime, uh meditation sitting, a, a civilization a, you know a culture of doing things, even that you know comes to an end this huge time frames, they are also impermanent. Not just like uh, little things, but huge things are also impermanent. So, you know, we are, as we are standing on a evolutionary threshold as a species now, where we either need to make some big changes or most likely, you know, kind of uh, be very, very decimated if we don't do that. If not completely wiped off. And we do have a choice, but we can't really leave that in the hands of some But the else, we need to all take part in that. And it's at the same time, it's our practice, so... It's not like I only want to do this if I'm very sure it's all gonna work out. We can do it anyway because it's it's a practice. A practice of you know stepping out of old stories and allowing the new to emerge by giving that space And this openness—that's the the medicine.